1: afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is my great pleasure to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Director Matthew filling two roles today, also producing while Tom is on vacation in New York. I'm Jeff. Thanks for uh, tuning in to the Jeff Cameron Show. You're you and we appreciate you very much. If you're listening on 93.3, thanks for that. Turn it up. Turn it up a little bit. Make sure you can hear me. And if you're watching on War Chant TV, come on in, you know, kids. Let's, let's join up together and have ourselves a little conversation. Let's get saddled in. Let's chit-chat a little bit about the state of things. The state of things. People, you know, change worries, people. It's been on my mind a lot lately, too. I think everybody, the world of college football or who has a passion for it, who cares about the sport or cares specifically about Florida state's place in the sport or both, you know, you're on edge, you're on edge, you know, and the reason that you're on edge is because uh, nobody likes to be in limbo. You know, nobody likes that uncertainty in their life. We we like, we like things to be packaged neatly. We want to know what we're doing next and how we're going to go about the process. and, What do I need to do? What steps do I need to take to ensure that things go smoothly in my life? People like schedules. Willy-nilly every day, it's a little uncertain. You know, you want to know, hey, 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 this is what it's going to be. This is what it is, and this is how it looks, and this is why it matters, and this is, you know, we tend to like those things. Um, and, and, And so sometimes I take a step back and I think, well, like with most uh, things that in, in which change it comes sudden, uh, you know, you have a knee-jerk reaction to it. You kind of have a, a sense of um, feeling a, a little bit out of place. I don't know. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for you and, and the people that I care about and like-minded folk that care about this thing together? What are we going to do? Is this in our best interest? And I know that panic can set in when that uncertainty is drawn out. And so I think that's where a lot of us, I was looking on the boards and I was looking in my email inbox and I was looking on my Twitter and I see the responses in the chat. Hello guys in the chat, gals too. Good to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and I, and you know, I'm like everybody else. I they, they we all kind of, a lot of people are throwing things against the wall to see if they stick. A lot of people, you know, I got a guy who's a friend with another guy who works in the ACC's home office, and he tells me, oh, yeah, well, I got a buddy who works at ESPN, and if you think they're just going to let that asset, yeah, and then, you know, whatever comes next, right? So we get into, and there, there are shreds of, elements of, portions of those conversations, comments, that are, in fact, usually uh, steeped in in some uh, amount of truth. Uh, the guy probably does have a guy who works in the home office who does think this. And that guy may not know a damn thing. Or maybe he does. And we're all looking for the person that does. We all want the goods. Who's the guy? Who do I need to know? And, you know, ultimately, I think it's easier, obviously, like I don't care about being first on this one. I just care that when the music stops, we've got a seat. And I think we will. And so if you take a if you take a step back and you think about it from that standpoint of I think we've got a seat at the table, then you don't really worry minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. Until you think it becomes an untenable set of circumstances. So what people see now is this idea that if we don't, in the very near future, find a way to compete financially with these two massive entities, the Big Ten and the SEC, then we fall into a hole that we may not be able to climb out of. That's the sense for the immediate doom and gloom posturing that you see now from those that currently aren't amongst those two powerhouses. I do. I think it's funny because I've read no short, no fewer than what? I don't know, 40 stories in the last 72 hours? I mean, basically, since USC and UCLA signed on to play football in 2024 for the Big Ten, we've all kind of wondered what's the next shoe to drop? Who's the next team? What conference moves are made? What does the ACC do to fight for its life? What does the Pac-12 do to fight for its life? Does the Big 12 come into play here? And, you know, ultimately, uh, I I think all eyes just need to to be fixed on Notre Dame right now. I, I think what Notre Dame does is going to dictate a lot of what happens afterwards. Because Notre Dame as it stands right now, as I understand it, And I went back and looked this up because I had a vague remembrance of this. Do you recall when we gave them, we as in the sorry-ass ACC, gave Notre Dame a comfortable landing spot and said, well, it's a troubling time. You need a place to play. And uh, come on in. We'll have you. It's good for us, and it's good for you. But, but... Do us a favor, just so you're not just screwing us like you do everybody else. Why don't you agree that if we let you do this, you're not going to up and join another conference next year or the year after. Or the year after that or the year after that. You're not just going to willy-nilly decide, thanks, ACC, that was fun. I'll call you. Don't call me. Asses and elbows out the door. We feel used. Fetal position in the shower. No, no. They said, we're not doing that. You, you, you've got to guarantee us that you're not going to do that. And they did. They did that. They did. So it's my understanding, they really can't just sign on anywhere else. But guess what we feel? We feel like that promise, that agreement, isn't worth the paper it's printed on. Because you're looking around college football right now, and you've seen the aggressive nature that conferences, conference commissioners, presidents, athletic directors have acted. And when they look at the long-term gains and the short-term minuses, perhaps even a financial burden short-term, they're willing to wear it. They're willing to do it. They're willing to find the caveat, the cause, the thing that allows that escape to set them up long-term where they need to be. And so nobody trusts anything. And guess what that – guess you know, the root of that. Well, there's no NCAA of any consequences, though. Nobody enforcing any rules. There are no rules here, man. It's the Wild West, and that is the sense of unease. And I don't know that we were ever going to be able to find a sensible way to avoid all of this. And for those traditionalists who would like to see something other than this chaos, I don't know that we could have ever arrived there because I don't think that you would have been able to agree upon. I mean, we can't agree on anything in this country anyhow. We're a mess right now. Football's no different. Microcosm of the overall disagreements and the lack of trust amongst each other. So who was going to say, yeah, I think you're right. That's the czar of college football. That's him. He's the guy that's going to make the decision at the behest of all that is good for college football. We're going to say that This guy or this woman is perfectly suited to make these decisions. Hey, listen, nobody's completely objective. We're all from somewhere. We all went to school somewhere. I played this little game before where I thought, well, who would that person be? Well, you're never going to get a total agreement on that because, again, so let's just say it's Jeff Cameron, which is a very sensible thing to think. All right, it's Jeff Cameron. Jeff Cameron's going to rule the day, and I know Jeff is biased towards Florida State. And Jeff is largely from the South, and even though he grew up in Tampa, St. Pete, he's not really Southern because people in Tampa, St. Pete aren't really Southern, but they're in the Southern region, the Southeast. So he's probably got a bias towards Southern teams. That is to say, he likes football that's played in the South more than he does, say, the Pac-12. So he's never going to really have the Pac-12's best interest in mind. If push comes to shove, he's going to side with the SEC and the ACC and any team in the South, quite frankly. But even if you thought, no, no, that's not necessarily true, look, man, the guy loves the sport. So, uh, you know, I, I think he'll do a good job. Well, a, a guy who is objectively in love with college football, who cares about the diversity of college football, and one of the great things about college football, forever growing up, were the different styles played all over the country. Like you knew if you were watching a Big Ten game, it was very different from watching a, 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 a team between two a battle between two southern teams, whether it be from the SEC or the old Metro, whatever it might be. Right? You knew that was different than what you saw in the Big Eight Southwest Conference. You knew that was different from the packed the old pac Ten. You knew that was different, and. It was cool because you just realized, like, you know, hey, they play that way largely because of the environment. It's cold as hell in Michigan. They're not going to spread it out five wide and chuck it all over the field. They're going to have to run the ball. Meanwhile, the South, it's hot as Hades year-round. They're always chucking the ball, whatever it might be, right? We, We knew all that. The point would be this that nobody was ever going to agree on any one person because we're all from somewhere with some bias or a perceived bias. Because if you actually had that person that, that could have become the college football star, could have been that guy, that guy or that woman, right off the bat, would have said, well, you know what's not good for college football? Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 and going to the SEC. That ain't going to be good for college football. It's certainly not good for the Big 12. It spells the end for the Big 12. It bolsters the SEC, but if I'm thinking about the totality of college football and what would be good, I'm going to keep this from becoming two mega conferences and I'm going to keep the, the, the differences that make us unique and less sterile than the NFL and collegial, the thing that is collegial, right? And those traditions and those histories, those joined histories. Washington should play Washington State. Oregon should play Oregon State. Oklahoma and Texas should play one another for the right to win that conference. It ought, and I know that changes have occurred for a very long time, but you would you would have had somebody step in and said, I don't think this is good for the game overall but that didn't happen and like most things that are driven by money ultimately they're ruined
0: do you think it would have mattered had somebody stepped in because we've seen this happen not in the exact same way but David Stern once rejected a trade (laughs) for Chris Paul to go to the Lakers to try to stop super teams and then it still happened anyway
1: yeah do I think
0: do you think if someone had stepped in in the same way that Stern did from yes. a higher position, it would have stopped the what seems like the inevitable from happening?
1: Well, look at some point the SEC, and really you can go back before that, but primarily the SEC lately, just called the NCAA's bluff. I mean, they don't they're, they're, that they don't have the authority to step in. There isn't you know the NCAA are the universities and nobody said you can't and once you saw that they were powerless to stop moves of that magnitude katie bar the door man this was then in that moment a free for all you knew then this was about the television networks espn fox and others those contracts that almighty dollar was going to be chased to that end and you were going to try to put together the most desirable package We've gone from markets being key to brands mattering as much, if not more. And that partly has to do, in my opinion, with the reduction of the importance of cable. Cable's about dead. I mean, let's let's be honest. I don't even have it in my house. I used to have a deal with Xfinity. I can say anything I want about Xfinity. Screw you, Xfinity. I don't have a deal with them anymore. I got rid of them. They're gone. And if you look at the trends across the country, that's that's happening everywhere. As they become more reliable, meaning internet speeds, everything's a la carte. I don't need to pay this much for this package because somebody wants the cooking channel, and I don't. I don't have to do that. I could just say... I've got a gig at my house. The internet never slows down. I never have to watch the circle of death. I can watch any game I want to watch or anything I want to watch, and it's all, all a card. I la just So it becomes about the amount of people watching your product. And who's watching what? Well, the most desirable competitive thing, right? Well, if you just bolster... The desirability of, of what you're presenting to get the best television contract. You know, I, I, listen, if you give me 20 teams, and those 20 teams are Ohio State, Michigan, Southern Cal, UCLA, Nebraska, you name like all of a sudden, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, Miami. Man, listen, I can't wait to watch that thing. Everybody's gonna want that thing. How do I get it? Oh, it's only on Amazon. Oh, it's only on ESPN. I got it. I'm paying for that. So then the markets didn't become as big a deal. So it's it's fascinating that there there's much more nuance to this. I'm aware of that. I'm not getting into all of uh, the, the the minutia because um, it's a big picture conversation. But I do think, and I want to circle back to kind of the start here. You can you can be a person that recognizes that it was a screwed up system going back a hundred years. 50 years, wherever you want to go back to. And you can say there were always blue bloods, and you can say that the kids were the ones who got the shaft. When the money became so great and coaches began getting $2 million, $5 million, $7 million, $10 million a year, as we joke about all the time, water slides and chocolate fountains in your football facilities so that you can not so that you can hide the money and not show a profit. You know, When that started to happen, you're like, but you can't pay the kids? What are we doing here? All right, you could agree that something needed to change, but I use the analogy all the time that what's hard to accept is that you went from going the speed limit at 70 to now we're going 180, and everything feels out of control. And the loss of those traditions, and the loss of the regionality, and the loss of These conferences and the characters of the college game only serve to make it more sterile. What are we really moving towards? Well, what we're moving towards is basically professional football. Well, professional football already exists. And I always loved the separation of the two. I love the NFL. Love it. It is different for me than when I watch college football. I always looked at those two things as very separate entities. It's the same game, but... The sense you get, the feeling you get, the traditions that you embrace of college football, very different than the sterile atmosphere of the NFL. NFL, we know exactly what we're doing here. We're all paid mercenaries. This game ain't good for my body. I'm going to get my $10 million while I can because I'm not going to be able to walk when I'm 50. You know it and I know it. No, by the way. You better perform because of that contract, because we're paying you, we're out front with this deal, and because it is about the wins. That's all it is. It's not about any tradition in the NFL. You represent a city, you're paid handsomely, go outperform, I boo your ass when you don't. football football's different. When you watch that kicker from Rutgers, who's a sophomore and whose dad went to Rutgers, and he has the weight of the alumni base on his shoulders to kick a field goal against mighty Michigan with 30 seconds to play and the improbable upset is on his toe, that is a very different feeling than when you watch an engineered drive by Tom Brady in the NFL and the way that you view and consume those games are separate. Very different. And you don't feel the same connectedness, I don't think. College football fans always felt connected. And the fear now is that you're losing that connection, that tradition. The day you held your father's hand and walked through that tunnel into that stadium to see grass so green it hurt your eyes. That was a different experience that now is moving more and more towards the very sterile NFL. We already have an NFC and AFC. Is that what we're about to do to college football? I could have wanted and did want massive change to the system. I wanted to see these kids get a piece of the pie. Needed to. We all did. We all agreed on that. Coaches got to a point where they're like, yeah, it's kind of absurd. We gotta start paying these guys. I'm making $12 million a year. Good Christ. All right, you could have done it, but it seems like we went from zero to 170 overnight with nobody steering the, the, the entirety of this thing that we love towards what's good for it long-term. Not everything is about <clears throat> not everything is about the free market, right? Baseball's a trust. I bring this up all the time. It's not just like, oh, the market will dictate. Listen, man, no. Th- there's a reason that they share. Because the Yankees can't play the Yankees every night. They have to be able to play Kansas City and Cleveland and Minnesota and Tampa Bay and Anaheim, right? So you can have a, a league. <laughs> I almost cursed. So you can have a league. So not everything is just like, oh, well, let the market take. No, man. What's good for the sport? What's good? How can we arrive at this place? The sense of being in limbo and waiting for the other shoe to drop and massive amounts of nightly speculation is what has us all on edge in July of 2022 about the sport that we love. Now, I know what happens. We revert back into this, what's going to happen to my team? And I'm with you because at the end of the day, you do have to navigate these waters. You don't have to like that you're out there. You don't have to like that this is where we find ourselves. But you do have to figure a way out the other side where you survive and have a place at the table. And so you can lament, and we all do, lament the state of college football and the problems that we all see and saw on the horizon years ago that they did not bother to take seriously despite being warned, the courts warned the NCAA years ago. Your system's untenable. You you lose. You better do something different. It, anyhow, they didn't. So we can lament that all we want, but now here we are. All those traditions, all those things that made college football unique, a lot of them anyhow, are certainly gone. Now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, I mean, at some point, that's where it does come back to. Where are you from? Who do you like? What city you live in? What school do you go to? What do you root for? What do you care about? Well, in this case, central theme Jeff Cameron show on a daily basis is indeed Florida State football. And that is the omnipresent question. What's going to happen to Florida State football? Well, it starts with this year. It starts with how good is Florida State going to be? This year's Jeff Cameron show, 93, three real talk radio, Warchant TV.
2: Check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3.
1: Jeff Cameron, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Good selection, sir. Tom writes, and no, it's not uh, T. Lizzie. I've been thinking about the grant of rights and would love for Ira or Corey to write a column and or Jeff to talk more in depth about the absurdity of signing such a long-term binding contract. Any listener to the Jeff Cameron Show could have told you this was a bad idea at the time. Could you go more in depth on why the grant of rights was signed for such an extended Period of time, you, know, you got to put your your mind and uh, your in your body and, and your outlook to a time where uncertainty uh, reigned, and you had what would be called rampant speculation about. And if we're going to bring it back home, I'll bring it back home for a second. It's Florida State, what was going to happen with Florida State? What was Florida State's future in the ACC? because if you're going back to 2013, uh, and, and we are, um, at the time that the, if you're getting back to the, if you're going back, I remember Ira wrote a piece on, um, Florida state's role in ACC's uh, media rights deal. And, and, um, you know, obviously Florida state was King at that time. Um, and the grant of rights requires, uh, and this is what is the source of much consternation, uh, Any university in the ACC that leaves to forfeit its television revenue, which equates to hundreds of millions of dollars, for the length of the contract, right? And at that time, Eric Barron, he was the president at Florida State. He's the one, along with the board of trustees, that engineered this move, and Fans then did question why it was that you were hitching your wagon to what we all have described as an inferior league and that there was more money that would be made down the line if you could join an SEC. I remember at that time, remember people were even talking about, "Could, could we go to the Big 12? Anywhere but here, right? Florida State, At that time, certainly uh, Clemson had not rose to the kind of prominence that Florida State possessed at that time. Had to be uh, seduced, had to be wooed, along with Clemson and some of the other schools, in order for the ACC to have some legs to stand on while negotiating a long-term contract with ESPN. And, of course, ESPN has the broadcast rights to, uh, well, a lot of college football, but the ACC. John Swafford was fighting to get FSU to buy in so the TV consultant could sit down and you could argue with ESPN, see, we've taken the important steps necessary to create stability during a time of great instability in college football, where realignment is happening all around us, and conferences don't know if they're going to make it, if they're going to survive or not, are they going to lose their best assets, and where are those assets going, and we were hell-bent, the ACC was hellbent on getting a deal done that was similar to that of the SEC in terms of having a network. And ESPN was not going to negotiate a long-term television deal if it didn't perceive that there was real stability that they were paying into, that they had to know. Why would you, why would you have an ACC network if the ACC didn't have Florida State, didn't have Clemson potentially? didn't have Miami, potentially, didn't have the marquee football programs of this conference. Those programs with the most amount of cachet, moreover, brand recognition that draws eyes to sets, right? I mean, you couldn't sell them on, hey, man, Wake will be here. Well, who gives a damn? And that's not a knock on Wake. There's 75 people go to Wake. They weren't going to do that. So they felt an immense amount of pressure to present a stable front to ESPN in the, in the hope that it would win them the negotiation of a long-term television contract that, while not the same, was similar to what we see in the SEC. And you have to remember that was the collective mindset in 2013. Now, what you would want is a visionary to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Eric Barron, TV consultant, University presidents, man, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think that hitching our wagon to the ACC and giving up our grant of rights to twenty thirty freaking six is real smart. A, that seems like way too long a period of time, and B, man, a lot of changes are going to take place. We see where this is headed. This is about the networks, the money spent on these individual de- on these contracts for these conferences. And do you think that long-term, this conference that has been in bed with basketball and has held it on high as the only sport that matters is going to have a fighting chance to drive the bus in the world of football and those television negotiations in the same way that the SEC and the Big Ten is? Because if they had said that, somebody might have said, yeah, good point. Good, good point. That's true. I'm not so sure I believe that either, guys. But alas, they did not. And by the way, we, we, we see this all the time. You might ask yourself, well, wait a minute now. University presidents and athletic directors and conference commissioners, these are bright guys who didn't get to that spot without having a good sense of the lay of the land and a, and a, and a wisdom to their interactions. Eh, I don't know. Look around. Look at the highest levels of government. Look anywhere you want to look. People in positions, huge responsibility, major power, sphere of influence. Constantly say and do stupid things that make the news on a daily basis. That make us all go, huh, maybe it's a little bit more about who they knew and the favors that they were willing to partake in. Not saying they aren't smart men. They are appreciably smarter than you and me. Seems to be overwhelming evidence on a pretty consistent basis that, nah, not appreciably. So, Jeff Cambridge, show 933 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV.
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at Orangetheoryfitness.com.
1: Jeff Cameron's show, and it's a fine Balls McWednesday to you and yours. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining us. Now, you know, ESPN's investment in the ACC suggests that um, it's going to be pretty interesting uh, how they decide to play this. They're going to have, we know the networks are going to have a major say uh, as to how this plays out. And, you know, I'll give you an example. So there's a thought out there. I've talked to a number of sources on this. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that Notre Dame, obviously we're all waiting on Notre Dame. And Notre Dame being the biggest uh, fish to fry and, and, and we got to figure out, are they going to the Big Ten? Is there any chance, any chance whatsoever that they could, they could get uh, Notre Dame in the ACC? I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, I don't think that Notre Dame w- w- will come permanently to the ACC. But what chance they do have, one would argue, is if ESPN – recognizes, so you think about the ratings that Notre Dame provides you. You look at the, the television ratings of four State Notre Dame, for example. So ESPN has a major investment in the ACC. There is, they, they, they funded the channel. This is I mean, the ACC network, they care about the ACC as it's currently constructed. They'd like to get something out of this, right? Well, you get Notre Dame into the ACC, they get a lot of games that they get to televise with Notre Dame. Eyes on sets, brands, right? Notre Dame joins the Big Ten. ESPN doesn't get to play Notre Dame games, or at least not very frequently. So, do they, with that influence, push Notre Dame to go to the ACC? Is this part of a larger effort by the ACC, which seems pretty much up against it right now? Um, is this part of a larger effort to then go and see if you can get I don't know some sort of alliance with the Pac-12, which you keep hearing. And again, I think this is a lot. Um, I think this is a lot of people throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. I I don't a Notre Dame's not coming to the ACC. I don't buy it at all. Uh, B, I think this idea of well, well, could you could you put together a conference to that maybe it's not the same in terms of Stature uh, of the SEC and the Big Ten, but could you have a conference that features Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Virginia, and you get rid of some of these other bums like Syracuse and Boston College, let's say, and then you bring in and work with, uh, I don't know, for the time being, Oregon, Washington, some Pac-12 teams that are now up against it as well since they've lost the L.A. market and USC and UCLA have bolted. I guess I just don't see that happening. I think what's more likely to happen is teams like, you know, I don't know if you saw Jim Donnan. He posted. He he talked about this in an interview he gave yesterday. No, I don't. I don't know that Jim Donnan's any more clued into this than you or me. But I've talked to Jim several times, and obviously he's been in college football for a very long time as a coach. And he, he's he's sure that the SEC is going to make a run. I retweeted his interview. Um, he thinks that the SEC will grab North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Miami. North Carolina, Clemson, Miami, Florida State. That those are the four that they will try to bring in immediately. And then, of course, if that were to happen, the Big Ten would counter. We know. Pretty sure we think they'd go after probably Oregon, Washington, a couple of other teams. I don't know who. Uh, it's it's all speculative right now. But I would think, first of all, geographically, it makes far more sense for Notre Dame to go to the Big Ten. I've always kind of thought of them as a Big Ten school, even though they're an independent and it always seemed to, to make sense. Like you, you can picture Notre Dame and you have many times over the years playing Michigan and playing those schools. You know, that's a game that you can see And it. If you think about the travel costs in all of this too, like it is strange to think about Southern Cal taking on the aforementioned Rutgers. Now, again, if the television contract is big enough, well, it offsets that and you're going to fly comfortably and you're going to be all right. Now, the, the, then we get into a larger discussion about how does this affect the Olympic sports? Because as of right now, the conversation centers around football and basketball. Not even baseball. Football and basketball. But if you think that it's cost-effective for them to uh, to swim against one another and travel from California to New Jersey so that your swim teams, your non-revenue sports can get after it, man, that ain't gonna happen. The, the, those other sports aren't coming into this discussion. This is, this is going to be a separate deal. And people uh, w- will ask the question, what will the NCAA, will the NCAA exist and will it have control over anything? Yeah, the it will continue to conduct the, the non-revenue sports and those teams will remain in the leagues that they're in. They're not going to be traveling all over as hell's half acres the way that the football team and the basketball team is. So, um, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, at that point, i um, you know, once that domino falls, when Notre Dame decides, let's say, to go to the Big Ten, um, then, then, then the next thing that will happen that influences Florida State will have happened. And we can start. Everybody wants this accelerated. And I, I you know, who doesn't? I get it. You want this accelerated. We all do. Um, I thought this was interesting today. And, and maybe, I mean, we'll see how this goes. Um, again, we talk about deals with uh, market penetration. And, and and brand power and those kinds of phrases. The Big 12, if you read in The Athletic today, feels like they've been... Now, this is a nice way to phrase this, by the way. This just sounds like asking the question you wished was asked of you as opposed to the one that was. The Big 12 sees this, quote, as an unexpected opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Now... I fear that while on the campaign trail, I said something that I should not have, that perhaps was unfavorable in the eyes of many core voters. But I see this as a wonderful opportunity <laughs> to expound on something that those voters are obviously passionate about. So please, Mike, let me let me go ahead and tell you what I really meant. Doesn't that sound a little bit like, like that?
0: So I just got fired, but I now have this unexpected opportunity Opportunity to to grow my garden (laughs) with all this free time that I have.
1: And I've been wanting to plant sunflowers for the longest. The Big 12 sees it as an unexpected opportunity to strengthen its position amongst the Power 5 conferences. The new commissioner says he doesn't want to waste any time. He wants to get straight to it is alleged that the Big 12 is in, quote, quote, serious talks with, according to The Athletic, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, Utah, and Washington. Now, if the Big 12 secures a deal on expansion, obviously there'd be a lot of optimism if you had the Big 12 with, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, Utah. Utah's an interesting team. I keep bringing them up. Uh, Utah is a strong program that continues to get better and invest. It's a state whose population is growing. And um, I think they're going to be part of this discussion, too. It's not the same. I'm not telling you it's the same as certain other schools. They're, they're certainly not Notre Dame. But my point would be that they're, they're going to be included in some of this. And it'll be interesting. But any part of this sort of deal in terms of the Big 12 going after those teams, obviously, you you lose two flagship schools out of the Pac-12 in the form of Southern Cal and UCLA. Uh, They're here to tell anybody that'll listen in the Pac-12, we're not panicking either uh we we may partner with the ACC so that we don't fall further behind the SEC and the Big 10 in terms of an annual revenue contract with whatever you know whoever is going to carry that um but but in truth everybody is waiting now on is the Big 10 going to offer Oregon and Washington are they just waiting for Notre Dame and then will they go and proceed cuz it doesn't seem like this is stopping right and what we have and certainly what we have now is, time and again, evidence showing that those who care not for backlash, blowback, frustration of the college football universe, but only forge ahead, securing their future and the programs in their league's future, those are the teams, these are the people that make out uh, best and and land on their feet. So you can be you can be certain that the SEC and the Big Ten aren't gonna sit around and wait for other leagues to save themselves. They're going to aggressively pursue the things that allow them to secure a said massive television contract and protect their entities. So that's you know that's that's where this is I mean look at the end of the day I, I am um, I am excited to find out just like everybody else, what is going to happen with Oregon and Washington. Phil Phil's going to have a seat at the table. Phil Knight is going to have a seat at the table.
0: If you're Notre Dame, is there any benefit to just continuing this year as independent and then just seeing where all the dominoes fall or do you want to get in while they're getting good and just go to the highest bidder? Uh, yeah, out of the Big 10 and the SEC.
1: I think ultimately they'll go I think they're going to go to the Big 10 if they go anywhere. Um I think they would probably, I mean, I I know they would rather keep their independence. They'd rather tell both sides, go pound sand. But if they find out they're going to be left out of a college football playoff and the money that comes with, then maybe that forces their hand a little bit. um, It it will be fascinating. Uh, By the way, um, (laughs) Preston, I see you. Wouldn't we all be in love then? The ACC trying to be the President's Cup of college football, and you know my passion. My deep-rooted passion for the President's Cup. Uh, (laughs) By the way, uh, tonight's Beyond the Tips on SiriusXM PGA Tour, Channel 92. You can hear my interview and Trey Jones' interview with Russell Knox, professional golfer, Scottish as he is, and they're playing in Scotland. It's a hometown match for him, and he was... Really, really cool. Uh, he was willing to talk a little bit more about the uh, blossoming relationship and partnership of the DP World Tour and the PGA, which is now coming together more and more to create these better fields and to double middle finger live, and that is kind of where that is headed. But he talked about it openly. I get a sense that players are being told, talk talk about this. It's, it's good. Go ahead. Yeah, say it louder. Say it louder. Because <laughs> I think – I think they are going to do more together moving forward. They recognize the importance of this, so um, that's 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 where we're headed. Uh, Adrian writes: Do Miami and FSU go as a package deal to a new conference? Um, I'd love to say yes, but I don't know. Florida State, Miami. North Carolina, North Carolina State, Florida State, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina. You could make cases both from a market and from a brand uh, standpoint that it would be vital if if you were going if you stop pussyfooting, as I like to say, if you stop pussyfooting about adding a team here or there and decide to go for the jugular and say, well, who are we kidding? Who are we? So you're the Big Ten, and you decide that you want to expand the brand to the South and go into the SEC's backyard and grab known entities, name brands. Well, would you make a run at Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia, Clemson, Virginia Tech? If you're the SEC and you're anticipating that very thing, would you say, oh, no, no, that ain't going to happen? We value the regionality of what we are. We've expanded west as far as we're going to expand. Let's go ahead and just logically, geographically incorporate and expand again the vitality of what we already own by having Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, Miami. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what that next step is. Is I just know that it would seem to me that the, the death knell has already been signaled for the ACC. I'm pretty sure that they're not going to survive. Again, one of the things, and I, I was, you know, I know Ryan Kelly talked some about this on, on WCTV, and, and I've known Ryan for years. When you take a step back and, and you look at what's happening with college football, you, you can, you, you can rightfully, I think... Um, bemoan some of this and, and lament some of this and, and be saddened about the um, swaths of changes the radical changes of college football but you can do that for a few minutes if you're a person of, in power and seek to survive and you got to adapt or perish right that's it so that, that's probably what we're in the midst of now hour number two forthcoming stay with us it's Jeff Cabard Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV